thank you so much uh, tanu for uh, remembering the sermon in prayer and may we all continue to sit prayerfully uh, and learn from this portion that we have uh, before us so we, today we are looking at uh, uh, chapter 10 uh, we've reached the 10th chapter of the gospel of luke uh, you know it's been a quite a fascinating journey so far that we've been on studying from this gospel and uh, over this past few weeks different aspects have come out about know the from the life of Jesus what he's been doing the ministry that he's been involved in uh, so i'll just quickly uh, once again uh, look at the outline i don't i'm not going to get deep into the outline as such we've been reminded of that uh, in the previous weeks but what i wanted to just draw your attention to uh, was the call to action right what exactly is luke trying to tell us uh, one of course through how he has divided his book plus also as he takes us through this different nuggets of uh you know the ministry that jesus is into the work that he is doing we as readers what is it that we can take away right so that's what we look at so uh, as we go through this book as we go through luke may it not be just a random collection of events and stories and we just get through them but also why are we looking at this why are we looking at this incident so if you see luke unlike the other gospel writers he does not put things in a chronological order you know it's not a sequence of events as it happened that he Uh, writes it down you know he we'll see some events just jumping out of somewhere and he's putting it there uh, in fact today's portion also that we read uh, we'll see the four events or the four paragraphs that form part of this portion they are all happening at different points of time right uh, but he places it all in a way so that it brings out did i lose uh, yeah so that it brings out a clear narrative uh, as to what he is trying to tell right so and there are um, Now, you know uh, four different things that he's trying to bring out or uh, he he has he has a message clear in his mind right so when he's writing to theophilus he knows what he's trying to tell him therefore he places all these things uh, he places all these events incidents and his message so that it's clear okay now you have read this now you know about this what is your role what is it that you need to do now right so it's not just a uh, an account that he's sharing but also a call to action right so we have the first seg- so first segment which we find in luke 1 uh, chapter 1 to chapter 4 we saw that was about the introduction of jesus right so this segment is more of a call to belief and faith where he's telling about who jesus is what is his origins where did he come from and therefore when we read it what is expected of us is faith to believe that he truly was the son of god he truly was a promised messiah he is one who's come for us and he's not come in as a random blip in time but his coming into this world was a planned uh, action as a planned event critical for our salvation the second uh, segment is from luke chapter 4 and verse uh, uh, 14 to all the way to all, almost to the end of chapter 9 and that was the galilean ministry of jesus right so here the call to action for us is of course to uh, submit ourselves right and also a call for righteousness so we've looked at different inst- instances where jesus is telling that hey Uh, or you know how we need to submit to the father's will how he himself submitted to his father's will and therefore we as believers when we go through that for us also to have that heart of submission and also pursuing righteousness right leaving aside a life of sin so you know if you look at the progression moment we put our faith in jesus moment we start having a belief a strong belief of who he is we realize that there is something within us which is not right and we cannot go near the lord and that has to be purged and that's where the aspect of righteousness comes in of uh, you know submitting to his well submitting to the cleansing work of of salvation that is wrought for us so that's the second uh, segment third segment is where we are right now what we started off from last week where pradeep kicked us off uh, this is and this he spends quite a significant amount of time actually he devotes quite a lot of chapters just for this segment all the way almost till the end we can say till, till chapter 19 uh, he covers the you know the journey of jesus to jerusalem we right started from last time from samaria where he was rejected and uh, he is now uh, setting onwards to his journey he has his face set on jerusalem and that's where he is going and this segment is uh, quite important for us you know in the sense that because this is where we are called upon now to be disciples you know right? to pursue discipleship to pursue the service in the ministry of the, of the lord right so moment we have put our faith in him moment we have pursued righteousness holiness the next stage is of course you know discipleship where we uh, fully enter into a service and commit ourselves to it and last of course and not the least is the fourth segment which will talk about the his death and resurrection uh, it's a call to hope and glory to know that we have a brighter hope 
not in this world but something which will come in later so that's the that's a overview of how luke has placed his narrative and we as we go through the even what we've gone through so far and what we'll be going through the next few days uh, for us to really realize that what is it that is expected out of us that's the that's the summary right so now at this point where we start at today's uh, where we look at today's portion in chapter 10 and verse uh while we start from verse 25 but even when we start from the first verse of you know chapter verse 1 all the way to 24 so jesus in his last year of ministry he's you know he's covered galilee he's about to wrap up his work in judea uh and if if you see his focus is quite clear right he's uh, he's he's calling on everyone to be uh disciples of his right he's starting to have very focused conversations with the disciples you know he's you know that that phase where large crowds used to follow him he was with multitudes that phase is dwindling right so now he's he's challenging people what is it that you believe right we looked last week at the four disciples uh and he asked them the question that you come follow me or uh, in each one of them had their own excuses uh, and that is where we ended uh, chapter 9 you know we looked at the the cost of uh, discipleship right that's what you finished last week's sermon uh, and where we had each of those disciples each of those or would be disciples as pradeep had termed it uh, falling away them not being able to respond and the reasons for not being able to respond so we saw that the cost involves uh, giving up our priorities it involves giving up our expectations it involves giving up our comforts as well right so moment these things become a barrier we are not able to get into a aspect of discipleship or our walk with the lord this walk of being disciples that will never go far as long as our hearts and minds are set on uh, you know our, our own expectations our own desires our own comfort levels right we have to break out of all that for fully get into uh, his discipleship and to truly pursue him uh, so that's where we ended up and uh, in fact as a very practical demonstration of what jesus was telling the disciples and those people around we see him putting that into practice by sending out the 70 disciples into the towns right so the first 24 verses of chapter 10 is an account of how he uh, sends out the disciples and sends them out to practice what he has been teaching them so he is he will practical demonstration of what it means to be truly disciples right so they have a responsibility they have a message uh and their only qualification is the fact that they are uh you know self denying and cross their own cross carrying disciples that's the only qualification and the work that they're involved in is the work that the lord has entrusted and see that as they are on that journey there are several things that they are supposed to repeat uh, or uh they're supposed to kind of make sacrifices on right so we see that they are told that do not carry anything with you do not stay in one place etc etc and their only reward for doing all that is a blessing in heaven they are not rewarded that okay when you come back and you find success you will get a certain position you will get a reward that is waiting i'll put in charge of something no their only reward is your names are going to be in heaven as jesus says in the uh, you know the last segment of verse 25 so that's the background uh, where we kind of enter into the portion that we have uh, so what we are going to see today therefore uh, exactly is involved in discipleship uh, and we see that there are two parts that luke brings out uh, you know through this instances or this passages that we have uh, it can be divided into two parts as to what really forms the crux of being a disciple right so the first part is having a right view of who god is and the second part is having a right view of of our own selves right so moment th- this is in order moment we have a right view of god moment we have a right view of self that forms a very foundation of how we can then proceed in this journey of discipleship and that's what we will see through the the passages that we have uh, before us and uh, uh, when we have the right view of jesus when we have the right view of god uh, our perspective also changes right and that's what again forms the key pillars of our discipleship journey because unless we have the right perspective unless we really know what to really expect we will find this journey to be quite cumbersome we will find this journey to be taxing and along the way probably even fall off the track right so uh, basically when we look at uh, or when we have the right view of god we will learn to look on uh, eternity we'll have our sights on eternity our aspect or our understanding of eternity it will change and it'll have a drastic influence on how we lead our lives here on this earth we'll be then 
looking, we have to look into our own selves to really understand that, you know, there's something that we need to change. And we realize that that change, we cannot bring on our own. And for that, we need to have the help of our Lord Jesus and we need to look up to Him. And then, when that look is in place, when we, when we have that eternity set, when we are able to look on within ourselves and realize that we are not worthy, we turn to God, it is then that we are able to turn to our neighbors, right? And that's, the, that's how we brings, account, brings about the account of the Good Samaritan. We'll get into that. Uh, and similarly, so that's about you know, how the perspective of when, or when we look to God, how does that change us? That's what we see in the first part. The second part that we'll see is when we look at uh, our own selves and we have a good view of ourselves, we'll be able to then set things right in other aspects of our life, our priorities, our prayer life, uh, you know, even pursuing maturity and also where is it that you find that joy in? Right? So that's how we will structure this message. So as you know, uh, Benji and some of the other uh, folks who usually come up and say, even if you don't take anything away from the sermon today, I think this structure is something that you can kind of uh, keep in mind. And as you read the portions, uh, you will find that it all uh, ties into this aspect. So that's a, a, a brief narrative. So getting into the first part, right? So let's start with you know, what the, uh, the journey of discipleship which starts from having a right view of who God is. Uh, so what does it mean to have a right view of God? All of us have a, uh, or when we are on this journey in this earth, now whether, whether we have unbelievers or whether we have believers, whether we have people who have known Lord, known Jesus or not, everyone has their own imagination perspective of who God is. Right? They have in their mind an image, this is how God should function. Right? This, is what, this is how God should behave or deal with me in a particular circumstance. Right? And it is that understanding which then shapes their relationship with the Lord. It's that understanding, it's their expectation, it's that imagination, which has a very you know, significant bearing on how they walk with the Lord and how their relationship evolves. Right? So therefore, it is highly important that we, that we get that perspective right, that we understand God for not who He is in our minds, but to see Him as He is revealed to us in the Scriptures. Right? It's not our own thoughts which is going to... You know, frame the image or carve the image of uh, of God that we have in our mind. But what does the Word tell us about Him? What does the Word of God give us? You know, in terms of uh, you know, how does He deal with us? How does He deal with our circumstances? How has His plan for us changed? Right? Uh, and and when we see that, when we truly are able to understand who God is, who Jesus is, that's when our own perspective changes, our own expectations, our own. Uh, a faith evolves, right? And when we when that process happens, then we are able to have a right look on different things, right? So, in the first area where it usually has an impact is on eternity, and that is the key for any disciple, right? For us to really be on this path of discipleship, having a right view of eternity matters, right? Knowing what does this mean, right? We all believe in our hearts, yeah, you know, we are saved, uh, we are being saved for eternity, we are, we have been purchased. Uh, when we die or when we leave this world, we are going to be the Lord forever. But what does that truly mean to us from a day-to-day living standpoint? Right? How does that reflect in our decision-making? How does that reflect in the way we perceive things? How does that reflect in the way we handle situations of our life as well? Right? And that's, that's quite key for us to look at. And we see the, you know, this question being put by this lawyer here in verse, uh, verse 25 of chapter 10. Right? The lawyer stood up and says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And it's a, you know, probably unknown to this lawyer. You know, he is not realizing that he is asking this question to the very source of eternity, to the one who is himself an eternal being. He's getting the privilege of asking him the answer, but ask him the question. But you know, was he really ready for the answer? Right? We we really don't know, right? But he still puts this question. It's a it's a question that has been asked for centuries. It's not the first time this question was asked. We see the same question repeated in other Gospels by different other peoples, a rich young ruler uh, asking this question. And from it, time immemorial, right, we've had people asking this question. But I think the, the, where the gap has occurred is how they find an answer to that question or how they try to answer that question on their own without turning to the answer which, which Jesus gave and what the Word tells them, right? And so if you look at where does desire stem from? Right? Where does this question truly find its origin? And it comes to the fact that you know we are eternal beings. God has placed in the heart of every person who has come to this world uh, a desire for eternity. And man's quest you know, for that eternity leads him to different journeys. Unfortunately, most of them 
it does not lead them to God. It does not lead them to Jesus. But for us today who we are saved, you know, it's, you know we, we have been given the grace of knowing who the true source of eternity is and what does the life with Jesus or life with God after earth truly mean to us. And therefore, uh, knowing that what ma- end of the day it matters is not the time that you're going to spend on this earth, but the time that comes after. Now, most of the time we get caught up in what is happening around us. We are more worried about how are we going to spend the next two years, the next five years, the next ten years. Where are we going to be at? How is our career going to evolve? Right? How is my family life going to evolve? What are my family goals? Most We are all caught up in that race, but forgetting that all these things are temporal. You know, In one moment it can all change, or at some point of time you know, that will cease to matter. So when we have that realization, right, uh, that what matters is not what we have, it's not the here and now, but what matters is what comes after. Is that something which matters to us? Is that something which is truly deep down in our hearts, something that truly find it valuable? Or are we happy and content to be in the here and now? Right? Jesus says, you know, he, when he answers to that question, he refers back to the law. You know, he does not say that, okay, let me give you a, uh, an explanation of things, but he said, okay, what does the law tell you? Right? Uh, and that's where the aspect of looking into self comes in. So, the journey to f- finding or getting that aspect of eternity right, it starts from looking within us. So, what is stopping us? Right? So, the moment we realize that there is, or what, or the time that comes after we leave this world, that's the most important thing when we realize that. Then we also realize that there is something which, you know, which is stopping me from getting there. That there is something which is preventing me or, or as a hindrance to me to be able to have that sight set as eternity. Right? There's something in when I'm living in this world or when I'm going about my day-to-day things, there is something which is coming as a roadblock which is preventing me from having that sight of eternity. And I need to weed that out. That's when the aspect of looking into self comes into picture. Right? That's when you realize that it's not end of the day, it's not circumstances, it's not people around me, it's not what is happening to me, but it's what is happening deep down within me which is preventing me. Right? And that has to be, we need to find a solution. Right? And which is where we see, uh, you know, Jesus referring to, when he answers that question, he refers to the law. Now for, for the Jewish people, for this lawyer, for the scribe, you know, so when you look at the lawyer, it, what he means actually, exactly is, uh, he's someone who was an expert in the legal matters of the law. Or in other words, he was a scribe. So he had a good understanding of what the law said. And what he was trying to do by putting this question is to test whether Jesus was going to, uh, you know, speak against the law and therefore find a reason to accuse him. But we see Jesus, uh, full of grace, he, he asked him, you asked me a question, you know, let me put this question to you. What does, uh, what is a great, you know, he, he asked him that, what does the law tell tell you about this, right? And he refers back to the Shema, right? We, when, we were, when we were doing the whole Council of God series last year, we had a, a session on what Shema meant, you know, the declaration. Right? Love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and mind. Right? So we were reminded of that. So he asked him to refer. And he, the question that he puts to him is, what does this mean to you? Right? When he says in uh, verse 26, the last part, how does it read to you? Right? What in essence he is asking is, what do you understand from this, from the Shema, from the Levitical verses or the commitment? How do you, how do you interpret that? Right? What is the message what he should have as an expert on the law understood is that I am supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart. It's I am supposed to have a perfect love. And then, I'm, and then also I am supposed to love my neighbor. But I am unable to do that. I, I'm, I will never be able to fulfill the requirements of the law. And therefore the problem is within me. Right? But instead of uh, answering that or instead of understanding it, that's when we see him trying to take it in a different direction. But that's the important question for us, all of us. Right? So we know the scriptures. Most of us know what is written in the word of the Lord. But the, the question is put to us, what, how does that word read to us? Would we truly really understand that, you know, why am I struggling around today? Why am I struggling in my situations? Why am I struggling in my faith? Why am I struggling in the walk of discipleship? It's not because of circumstances. It's not because, you know, things have not worked out the way I wanted. It's, it's, it's because I am unable to fulfill the requirements of my efforts. And my my sight on Jesus or my view of him has dimmed over these years. And that needs to be set right. And that leads to a realization that on my own I cannot do anything. Or I am not able to resolve my situations. Therefore I need to look to someone else. And who is that someone else? It's God himself, right? 
So therefore, once you know, uh, you know, eternity sets in. Once that sight of eternity sets in, and that realization that my own weaknesses, my own struggles, my own challenges, uh, you know, with that I cannot do anything about it. I cannot do anything. The eternity view, right? I need to look to God, and that brings us to the aspect of looking up to Jesus, right? And that what what Jesus basically tells him is that uh, you know, loving the Lord, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, and loving your neighbors. You know, is is uh, you know is perfectly is that's the key. That's the key to you to really attain eternal life, to really have that walk of discipleship. But you can't do that on your own. And since you cannot do that on your own, you need God. You need to turn to Him. You need to have Him in your. You need to have Him at the center of your life, right? Uh, if you see the Jews, uh, they they were trying to find eternal life in the Scriptures. John five and verse thirty nine. It says that you know we'll just quickly. Uh, read that portion just to kind of give a glimpse into where people were finding the source of eternity. So it's, it says that, in fact, Jesus himself says that you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Right? Uh, but what they forgot was the source of eternal life was right in the middle of them. We are also like that, right? We are caught up in, uh, you know, we are caught up in a lot of other things. We are caught up in, you know, listening to maybe, you know, our, you know taking support from people, taking mentor helps, taking uh, different resources. We drown ourselves in books and a lot of, but sometimes we forget that, you know, the source is not those books. The one who whose words are in those books, whose words are eternal, right? And Peter said to Jesus, right? Where else do we turn to? You have in you the words of eternal life. So, do we find ourselves being able to Jesus? You know, in when we are on that journey, when we are walking with Him, uh, and is that, is that again something which is precious to us? Is that something which is matters to us, or has it become a routine, a tradition, something that we are doing out of compulsion? Right. So that's something we need to truly really keep evaluating. And as we are on this uh, on this journey here on this earth, you know, when we look up to Jesus, who do we see in Him? Right? Who do we see in Him? Do we see in Him as one who is the constant source of our direction, who is one who is leading us, or are we caught up in things that we see around us? Right, uh, And that view is very important because only if that is set right, only if our view of who truly Jesus is for us, and we've been you know, reminded constantly of that message, that note in this past few weeks, that who does Jesus mean to us? Who is He to us truly? Right, And that realization is what will help us to counter everything that comes to us. right? We often are caught up in how do I understand the will of the Lord? How do I understand if this is right for me or not? The key to that is knowing what has Jesus told me about it. right? How, what does Jesus, what does the word of the Lord tell me about this particular situation? right? If it's about career, if it's about my, 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 my family life, you know, my finding someone to assess a life partner, or how do I deal with this particular trial in my life, my financial challenges, no, it's not about the methods of how to deal with it, but what is the intention, right? What is the end objective? All of these things, what are we trying to do through them? What does Jesus want us to do through them? The moment we realize that, you know, that's when those words of eternal life come alive to us. And that's also the time when we start moving away from our own selves to others outside as well, right? Because till that point, till our view or till our understanding of Jesus is not right, really more worried about our own self or what happens to us. But the moment we truly understand the nature of Jesus, truly understand who he is to us, we start moving away from ourselves or our our uh, our sight about ourselves, right? So we are, we are constantly on the throne of our own lives. But when we dethrone that, when we put Jesus back there, we find ourselves being able to look at others. And that's when the aspect of loving neighbors come out, comes about, right? Now, at this point, now, till this point, whatever conversation that Jesus has been having with this lawyer, he should have understood that, uh, or what that his response should have been, "Lord, your word or your Lord tells me that I need to love my love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, love Him in the most perfect way, and also love my neighbor." But I am completely unable to do that. So therefore, I I need your grace. That's what he should have ideally his response been. But look at how the pride of man comes into picture. You know, he's in fact trying to turn it around. He's trying to justify himself, right? It says that, but wishing to justify himself in verse 29, he says that, who is my neighbor? 
So in his view, in his eyes, he has met the expectation of the law. He's saying that I have done what I'm supposed to do. I have allowed my neighbors. Uh, so I, I don't have anything to change. So, I, so therefore, I'm going to question your claim of loving the neighbor. So who, according to you, is a neighbor? Right? That's, the, that's the challenge he puts back to Jesus. Right? So when Jesus responds back with this parable or this particular story, um, and he brings about this good, good Samaritan story, He's not trying to tell him that who is a neighbor, but he's act, this is actually an evangelistic response to that man's question. It's a question meant to bring him to repentance. It's a question meant to break down the pride of his heart, right? Because he's turning the narrative here from being who should be a neighbor to are you a neighbor, right? You forget about who you need to show love to. You, know, you are more, more worried about what qualifies someone to get your love. But you as a person, are you qualified to be a neighbor? And that's the true intent of this good Samaritan story, right? So, because all, all this while we may have looked at it as a parable of kindness, of how we need to show kindness to everyone. But it's not really that. It's about the fact that we are not equipped to love others unless we love the Lord, unless we, unless we truly cherish Him, unless we are on this discipleship journey, unless we are walking with Him constantly. We cannot love our neighbors. We cannot love others. We cannot love our family, our friends, our, our people around us, people in work. You know, we often have, have this discussion that how do I share about the Lord to my colleagues, to my friends. It's not about how I do it. It's about how do I view them. Do I view them as precious souls that I need to bring to the Lord? Do I realize that the experience that has happened to me, you know, the fact that I didn't deserve to be here, does that constantly drive my motivations? And therefore, am I able to turn to Him in love? Right? So he brings, this brings about three characters uh, who were put in a place or who were in a position to respond to that man who was walking down the road of Jericho, who was uh, waylaid by the robbers. So the first two people who passed by, the priest and the Levite. Now if you see, they were the most equipped of people from a theological standpoint or from a, a theory standpoint to help out. right? Because a priest, his very job was to show compassion. His very job was to connect people to God. His very responsibility was to lift up people to God. And even as, uh, as a priest, they had the law which told them what ne needed to be done. Forget about you know, them as a person, but they had clear instruction in the law, right? In um, Leviticus 19.34 and Exodus chapter 2 and 3, 23 and verse 4 and 5, it clearly meant that if someone is injured, someone is wounded, what, do you, what is it that you're supposed to do? To the extent of even someone's donkey is injured, what you're supposed to do? That's clear. That's how as clear the law gets to be. So this priest, he would have known what he's supposed to do. But look at what he does. He just turns and walks in the opposite direction. Right? Similarly, this Levite, his, his role was to assist the priest and play a role in the priestly ministry. And therefore, he also would know the law. But these two folks, even after knowing the law, even after knowing that this is their role and responsibility, when it comes to, or when it truly mattered, or when it comes to being that neighbors, they fail miserably. So therefore, it is not the law. It's not understanding of scriptures, it's not the knowledge which makes us to love others, right, or to love God. It's about how do we how real how real is Jesus to us, how real is this understanding in our minds. That's what makes us uh, respond. And we look at the Samaritan, right? It's completely opposite character. Person who would be the last person expected to show kindness, right? In fact he was an outcast. He should have been happy. Look, you deserve this, what has happened to you. You you guys think that you are better than us. You know, you deserve this. But we don't see him reacting that way. We see him in fact pouring out love out of generosity, right? He does not just tend to his wounds. He, he says that he, he poured out all his wine uh, and he, he spent that amount. These were things which would have carried for his own provisions, for his journey that he was walking through. But he's willing to sacrifice all that. That's the extent of love that is expected. And that's how we should be as neighbors. So what Jesus was telling them is not about the qualifications of a priest, Levite or a Samaritan, but what that Samaritan showed that attitude of love and generosity as disciples that's what you are expected you and me are expected to show but are you able to do that right because if you, if you say that i love my neighbor as myself what does that truly mean it means that the very things that i would do for myself if i was in a situation will i do that for the same person right in fact most of the times there are situations when you know i myself find that if if i had to go let's say go to go visit someone my first question that comes to mind is who are you to drive in the bad traffic you know bad roads uh, two hours. Uh, this is my this is my day. I've kept for Saturday. You know, if I if it, were, if it was about myself, if I wanted, let's say, if I was needing encouragement, would I not have wanted someone to take that effort and come to me? So therefore, when it comes to 
doing that effort myself why am i not able to do it why am i not able to pour out love right why am i not able to truly be generous the way i how i would love myself why am i not able to love my neighbor and that's the key question that we each all of us asked to each of us has to answer right so when we are on the discipleship journey uh, we are we are will be able to do you know or we are able to truly love the lord truly able to walk with him truly able to love others around if we have a right view of who god is if that is not if that foundation is not right then we'll find these things to be a challenge so that's the essentially the first part and the key things that we learn uh, yeah right so the you know journey of discipleship you know we saw what jesus had laid down as a criteria that is denying ourselves taking up our cross and following him so it's a process of change it's a transformation process where uh, you know we we see god for who truly is right so when we are denying ourselves we are essentially saying that we don't matter right what my thoughts my desires my baggages you know my whatever pain i'm i'm carrying all that does not matter is what matters is the one true god who's made me who's put me on this world who's kept, who's kept me here you know who's who saved me who's made me his child and that view changes everything therefore we look we we learn to look to jesus and make him the lord of our lives and also having the right view of lord you know it helps us to have the right sense of eternity to truly understand what having that view of that life with jesus how it impacts and influences me and that change Uh, in our outlook of our life here on this earth it changes the way we look others and ourselves as well so in essence having the right view of god helps us to commence the journey of discipleship that's where it starts and the second part that we come to now it tells us how we will how will we able to continue on that journey so starting is good right is good that we are able to start something but all as as the case always continuing something is the challenge right so fine so till now we looked at how do i start this journey how do i get on this journey of discipleship and i do that by looking at god i look at having by having the right view of god but now how do i continue on this journey how do i ensure that i don't uh, you know waver in my walk how do i not fall off and that's where i need to have a right view of myself to realize that uh, what are my priorities how do i view my walk with the lord my prayer life that that's what we look at so uh, you know the progress of our walk with the lord the progress of our discipleship journey uh you know it so we looked at commencement of a discipleship it starts with the understanding of god as revealed to us in the scriptures our continuous walk with the lord or our journey of discipleship as it continues it depends on our understanding of ourselves as revealed to us by jesus right and that's where his teachings that's where my luke spends a lot of time in this third segment telling us about the teachings of jesus right so now we see jesus has kind of taken a back seat from miracles from doing there are of course here and there things which are happening but largely now what jesus is doing is spending a lot of time with disciples training them teaching them telling them that as you are going to be disciples once i leave there are things that you are going to be facing there are things that you will find yourself in situations that you will find yourself in so how do you deal with that what do you need to deal with that and he starts giving them to life lessons right so therefore he sets before us examples jesus is the one who tells us what are the things that we are struggling with and what are things that we need to set right uh, and therefore it's not going to be our own efforts that is going to help us right as we commence this journey it's going to be how we look to him and when we uh, you know look at different aspects that usually comes which usually tends to be a roadblocks we need to place before us what jesus has told right and so the first thing that we do of course is we look at our priorities right what is it that you have set as priorities for our life what defines the priorities of our life we look at david his priority was to be to behold the beauty of god for paul he writes in philippians 3 and verse 13 that his priority was to be conformed to the likeness of jesus are these things our priorities have you ever stopped and wondered that you know being in the way of the lord doing things that he wants me to do is that even a priority to me or my priority right now is you know sometimes when or when we are in our in a student phase you know we are priority somehow i need to finish this course i need to get a placement and i need to start my job then when i start my job i'll be more independent i'll be able to manage things then i'll start my walk with the lord i'll do more things for him but when the when of course we start working the priority is like okay how do i now advance how do i get to the next levels how do i make sure that i have enough savings now stored up to start family at some point in time so in this walk of 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 our lives in this in the daily race our priorities keeps changing it keeps shifting but seldom 
does it change the things of the lord right and that's where the discipleship journey often takes a detour right because when we are supposed to have our eyes our sight fixed on jesus uh, you know it changes and that's what we re, we see here in the story of mary and martha uh, and how you know how they react when jesus comes to their house in verse 38 and 42 so we see two different personalities there and we see mary showing to us what a true disciple is supposed to be right and what's the priority for any disciple what's a true priority for any of us as believers sit at his feet and learn from him and that's what mary does but look at opposite martha right she is so caught up in you know it's not that she was what she was doing was wrong or it was a wrong thing of course when you have someone at home you need to be hospitable you need to make the arrangements but are you so caught up in doing that that you miss out the key thing which is being in the presence of the lord learning from him understanding what he's trying to tell us then that's where it happened and you know and look at the response it leads to uh, or the reaction it leads to in martha you know she's her her priorities are so deviated that it impacts her reactions you know it impacts her emotions now she's frustrated you know she's she's uh, upset she comes and tells the lord do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the service in tell her to help me you know, she's giving instruction to jesus you do this right look at how the response changes when our priorities are not set that's when have we found ourselves in a situation lord you you put this situation right in my life you give me this right you move this problem from my life right we become demanding our frustration it sets in you know but what what the lord responds to in tenderness and how he even responds to us also he says that uh, martha mary has chosen the good part and it will not be taken away from her he affirms it in a loving way that it's good what you are doing it's important but what matters is that you know being in my presence and learning you know jesus said that learn from me for i am meek and lowly my yoke is light are we able to take that yoke as a priority that's something we need to really evaluate uh, and, and therefore uh, you know when when we are able to set our priorities right we find that other things it just dims right so may may this help us to truly evaluate and you know this, this is a question she'll always find ourselves in right this phase constantly will come in our life when we do evaluate what are our priorities right at this point of time in my life what am i more worried about what am i worried to the extent i mean having a worry is not a problem we all we all should have a driving force we all should be worried about uh, maybe not worried is not the right word but uh, be committed about things that we have been interested with right so if you're working in a place we need to do our jobs well definitely we need to fulfill our responsibilities well uh, if we are you know Uh, we all have if or some when we have families we have responsibility to take care of them to be with them uh, when when we are at a different other place or a different other role that we are in our life we we will have those responsibilities is good is important for us to be committed to it to do it in the best possible way but is it to the extent that we forego the right, the important aspect which is spending time with the lord right being in his presence our quiet times our you know our fellowship our attendance in meetings gatherings why are we coming today this morning are we coming to you know just because if i don't come someone will escalate you know as in our corporate and someone will escalate to my parents or you know whoever is my guardian am i coming here for that or my love for the lord it's what is stirring me to come here and this is what is the most important thing to me does not matter what i have to today let go of if i come here right even if it means that uh you know i may not end up getting a if i don't this if i don't let's say work today morning or when i'm if i'm if i have a choice to attend a cell group and a choice to complete a work if i don't do that and the worst that could happen is that i get maybe my colleague may do that work and he may get a promotion he may get advancement he may get recognized you know i may lose out on opportunities right is that is that something which is you know truly mattering mattering to us or are we able to say that lord i've done my part well i've done, done my duty well but i know what matters to me is spending time with you and therefore uh, i am willing to forego all the other things which world may find it quite attractive and you know they will advise me for it sometimes even people close to us may advise that no it's okay you know you even if you don't attend one or two meetings is fine even if you forego certain time the you know the, you'll always have time later you know we often hear that advice growing up right you know first you focus on certain things which are the important things in your life then you look at all those things i think that's that's not how discipleship works that's not how the walk with the lord works we are constantly called to set our priorities right look at him right and how do we do that how do we also ensure that we keep our eyes set on the prior, uh, eyes fixed on the right priorities one of the things that we do that is through prayer and that's the second part which is looking upon prayer right looking upon prayer in the right way 
And again, Jesus lays down in chapter 11, the question comes to him, how should we pray? Right? Of course, that question is coming from the disciples' comparison with John the Baptist because his disciples used to fast and pray. Right? So they were like, okay, how, what, do we, what do we do? They are asking questions that, okay, we fast and pray, what do you guys do? Right? Their intent for asking that question was different, but we see the Lord again in his tenderness, grace, he's telling them that how you need to pray. And he, by doing that, he again brings, you know, brings attention back to how discipleship is supposed to be. Right? So we looked at two parts, that is having the right view of God, having the right view of us. Even when Jesus says how a prayer should be, he's dividing that into two parts. One is, you know, there is God in that prayer, recognizing who God is, and then there is us, right? Recognizing our needs. So when he says uh, that when you pray that Father, hallowed be your name, let your kingdom come, he's saying that recognizing God as a father, right? He's a loving, compassionate father, and he knows the best for us. Recognizing God as holy, as someone who is truly sacred, right? That he is the one who deserves all honor and glory. And then, you know, recognizing him as a sovereign above all, every, about everything of our lives. So, you know, do, so when we pray, right, today, do we have the right understanding of who we are praying to, right? Or when we, when we have that conversation with God, are we doing it as a chant, as a ritual, as something that we need to do because this is expected? Or are we truly doing understanding who we are praying to? Are we, are we praying to him knowing that he's one of the sovereign Lord? He's one who's having sovereign control of everything that happens in our life, even if it's good or bad. When we do that, I think our prayer itself might change, right? So most times we end up taking a huge list of things. Okay, these are the to-do things, Lord. These are A, B, C, D. This is where we need to do. But when we do that, are we able to truly realize who we are taking it to? And therefore... Uh, and when you know when we when, when the second part of that prayer says that give us our day our daily bread forgive us our sins and uh, lead us not into temptation right so we've we've looked at this what does leading into temptation mean right so when we uh, we've looked at this previously as well so it's about recognizing again God who He is the role that He's playing in our life that He's the one who's our savior our you know one who's our sustainer uh, and one who's also our, our our shield and our fortress our security right He's the one who can who can protect us, who can keep us under his wings, who can protect us from getting into or letting our trials lead us into uh, into, into responses or reactions that can take us out the journey that we are on. Right? So therefore, looking upon prayer the right way is also key when we are on the journey of discipleship. So let's evaluate our prayer life, right? And when we when we truly understand what prayer is, that's when our challenge usually that, oh, I'm not able to spend time in prayer, I'm not able to get find the right, sometimes the right words to pray or sometimes the right time to pray or find this to be a demanding, that will change when we truly realize that who we are praying to, whose presence we are going to and what is his role in our life. And that's when that time with the Lord will become sweet. Right? The hymn says, sweet hour of prayer. Have you truly experienced and tasted that hour of prayer or the time of prayer to be truly sweet? Or are we doing it as a cumbersome activity? It's something that has to be, you know, ticked off and removed as a as a done activity. So may, may the Lord help us to uh, do that. And as we set our priorities right, as we you know make our prayer life uh, you know more better, we find that we'll be able to pursue maturity. Right? Maturity is not about being wise, but it's about understanding right what our life is, where our life is headed to. What is the Lord supposed to uh, do in our lives? Understanding that the presence of the Lord, how is it supposed to change us? Right. So Hebrews four sixteen says that. We have the confidence of drawing near, right? And therefore, what is it that we draw near? And he gives this, uh, explains this with analogy of this persistent friend who comes in the night, says, "No, no, give me bread." So it's you know, I, my someone is at home. So it's not about the annoying aspect. It's not about just blindly wanting to get something, but it's about having that confidence, uh, you know, to approach God, to to truly come to Him, and uh, you know, saying that Lord. You know, I have that boldness to come to your presence. I have that confidence that you will not turn me away. That you are not going to be. It's not that God is going to get irritated that you know, why do you keep coming again and again. No, but the aspect is, you know, when we spend time in prayer, when we constantly approach Him, you know, that sweetens the experience. That helps us to know Him better, and that's what leads us to a journey of maturity. And as disciples, that's what we strive towards, right? And that's the journey. And the when we are able to get onto that journey, when we pursue maturity, then we find that things which gives us joy, even that changes, right? So till now, what gives us joy are maybe small, small things, maybe a good word from someone, a good maybe we purchase something, we get a gift from someone, 
or we do something which is appreciated by a lot of people right we tend to find joy in these small small things but when we are on the journey with the lord when we are on the discipleship journey we find that the joy comes from something else right where does it come from you know it comes from being able to uh uh you know as as in verse verse 9 it says that and uh, and god and jesus explains it through the parable of that loving father he says that ask and it shall be given seek knock so here this ask seek and knocking is not again demanding right it's not about somehow trying to get hold of something but it's the fact that you know when i am in that walk discipleship journey and i have attained that maturity i find joy in asking uh, asking the lord for something even if i don't get it right it's not about you know it's not depend my asking from the lord is not dependent on how he is going to answer me or how he is going to or even if or if not he will give me what i ask but is that very experience of being in his presence of asking him of of telling him lord as my father who loves me this is what i'm struggling with this is what i i feel i need and even if he does not give me i will not find that to be a reason for disappointment right because i am you know it's not the outcome that matters but is that process and similarly when i'm seeking you know even if even if uh, you know what i find is not what i expected that is not disappoint me right i for example i am needing a change in my job but what i get as a change in my job may be not what i wanted but lord has a plan and therefore i am still joyful i find my joy in the fact that he is leading me on a journey similarly you know when he says a knocking it's not about you know uh, what kind of door will be open to me but whatever the lord opens wherever he leads will that truly give me joy and that's the so these things become the reason of our joy it's what lord gives us it it's the journey that he takes us through that gives us joy not the end destination or the end outcome right and that's the path the disciple as disciples we are on today that we are looking to him the author and finisher of our faith right and when we therefore when we have that right view about ourselves uh, you know we find that this journey becomes much more enjoyable so the key learnings that we have from this second part is you know when when we uh, you know for us to really sustain on this journey we need to have our priorities set right we need to have a prayer life set right our pursuit of maturity has to be something that truly drives us and then our reasons for joy if any of this is not in the right place we'll find this journey to be quite taxing and we'll 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 find ourselves getting discouraged at some point of time and therefore uh, having the right view of selves right view of self helps us to you know continue the journey of discipleship so you know in summarizing right having the right view of god helps us to commence the journey having the right view of selves right view of ourselves helps us to continue the journey of discipleship so may the lord helps us in this walk with him uh, and even as we wrap up today uh, you know there are you know we have a lot of people sitting here this morning listening to me and all of us would be in different phases of our life there may be some of you who have not yet known the lord jesus your savior right who maybe you have come here for the first time maybe you've been hearing about jesus you've hearing few things about him but you know what what is it that you you know is attracting you towards him what is it that is standing out to him do you see him as someone who was who who said good things who came did, came and did good things he was kind and went away or is he someone you can find to be the source of joy and contentment and the and the salvation right if you've not yet experienced him truly uh, what is stopping you right have you realized that on your own that your own efforts can never lead you to god but it has to be through this savior who died for you so therefore the challenge or the encouragement to all of us or those of you who are here who have not yet known the lord is you come to him find your rest embark on this journey of discipleship with him now there may be some of you who have recently come to know him who are fresh in your walk with him you are still in that early phases right uh, you know you are still contemplating uh, your walk or your discipleship journey the question to all of us is what is the understanding of you know who jesus is and do you have have you have you understood or do you do you realize that cost that you may have to bear to be disciples if yes are you willing to bear that or are you finding it to be hard you know so the encouragement to all of you is taste and see that the lord is good that he will never disappoint you and for most of us you know we belong in this categories we are been we been in the faith for a long time we been we've known the lord for a long time some of us have been on this on this journey but where are we today right have we are we still progressing or somewhere are we on the sidelines watching and seeing how it goes the encouragement to all of us is to lean in on him learn from him set up priority right like how mary did sit at his feet and learn 
May the Lord help us to do that and wherever we are on, on our journey, may we find the grace coming to us from Him and uh, even as we get to this week, may we truly evaluate you know, where we are. What is stopping us? Right? What has those walls that we built around ourselves? What is holding as a veil over our eyes, over our minds, our souls? Just taking that right view of who God is, of who Jesus is. Maybe said that right. So, in the cell groups this week, let's look at you know practically what are some of these challenges which usually come, which takes us away from that view. And may the Lord help us to uh, bring that change as He would have willed it. Shall we close with the word of prayer? Father Lord, we are truly thankful this morning for all that You've done for us, for the for making us Your children, for uh, allowing us this privilege to be Your disciples. Father, we did not deserve this. Who, if left of, of the evil one. We would have been happy walking in the ways of the Lord, walking in the ways of the world, happy being uh, content with uh, temporal things, things that don't have any purpose or any value. We would have been uh, content living in our own world, living in our own uh, imaginations, leading to a path of destruction. But thank you that you rescued us and you put us on this place where we can learn from you, we can sit at your feet and learn from you. Help us to do that, Lord, and whatever comes as a hindrance to us. In this world, Father, there will be many things, distractions, thoughts, uh, our own egos, our own uh, uh, sense of self. It Most of the time it takes us away from that love and, uh, and the compassion of that Father who knows what is best for us, who's constantly worried about us, who's constantly looking at us, who's constantly waiting when we can turn back and go to Him. Pray that we are able to truly identify, Father, these challenges and set things right, that we are able to love You for who You are and be able to draw closer, Father. Bless this week ahead to each one of us uh, and be with us, Father. We ask these things in the most sweet and majest name of our Lord and our Saviour, Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm.